This podcast is recorded on Gadigal land. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands of which we live and work and pay our respects to the elders past and present. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to the Hummus and Dill podcast. My name's Rob Caldor. And I'm Hala Abdel-Noor. This podcast is a series of chats between the two of us over the last few months. Three in total so far. We're both doing these podcasts because we think it's important to model having a discussion about the conflict in the Middle East and its flow and effects in Australia without it turning toxic and negative. This is our second episode of Hummus and Dill. If you missed our first episode, I reckon it's worth listening to before you go ahead with this one. So go to your favourite podcast provider, look up Hummus and Dill and have a listen. If you like what you hear and what we're about, you can also rate and review us. And more importantly, let others know about it. As we said in the last episode, we hope that listening to this podcast will encourage you to reach out to people that you may not agree with and have a chat for the sake of building mutual respect and understanding. But Rob, before we get into episode two, I'd like to encourage everyone to send feedback to us at our email address, homelessanddeal at gmail.com. That's H-U-M-M-U-S-N-D-I-L-L at gmail.com. We've already had feedback that's blown both of us away. Hala, the feedback has been awesome and, to be honest, completely unexpected. So much so that our fourth and final episode of this initial series will be dedicated to our reactions to the feedback, how we've been impacted by the feedback and the process and what we have learnt so far. Just a reminder, we're doing this off our own with no funding. So if you like what you hear, we have a service called Buy Me A Coffee. For the cost of a coffee, you can help us make a few more of these podcasts. You can also let us know in your feedback what you'd like us to do in the future and other ideas that you have for what would make this really valuable. Finally, before we get to our second chat, a big thanks to everyone that took the time to listen to episode one. An hour of your time is a real commitment and really appreciated. Okay, so let's get back in time and listen to our second chat that took place on 20 December in 2023. This one we had via Zoom because I was in Melbourne and Rob was in Sydney. find out more about you and I'm challenging myself to be open and vulnerable in these chats. Look, I thought uh, I enjoyed listening back to our first chat. It felt conversational um, and flowing, which I think is important in terms of my intention objective in, in this is to really just have an open conversation and dialogue where we don't know where we will come to fully we know where we're starting but we don't know Mm. where we'll come to and my hope is in the least we um, demonstrate and encourage others to have similar types of open conversations and dialogues and I think you know it's sort of when you look at when you look at you know the philosophy of ethics and what's ethical we often think of things that are clear-cut like it's a clear decision between good or bad or right or wrong Mm. But really, the the real philosophy of ethics gets interesting when there is no right or wrong, where like any any decision is a difficult decision, and so that's where it it gets blurred. And I think in these conversations, it some a similarity for me is I can have an open dialogue and conversation with someone who, you know, I I would preempt has similar views as me. That's not like that's great. Because mm. there's always room to practice listening to understand the other person, not listening to respond, listening to get with, you know, where the other person's at and and understand them 
just for the sake of understanding them, not for any other reason, and not being attached to whether that means I have to agree or disagree or or what that means, mm. because they, that goes deeper into our inner psyche in terms of what what that means for me. We wouldn't. Why do I even have a fear of whether I agree or disagree with you? Because it brings up deep internal things. So, like with the ethics thing, the the challenge it is much more challenging for anyone in society to have an open dialogue and conversation with the view to listen to understand and to be with the other when when you start the conversation feeling like you might disagree fundamentally about something that's really important to you uh, and uh, and i think that's what i appreciate about uh, no, us look, coming I, together and having this chat i agree with a lot of what you're saying there and i think i think we're in a world where loads of gray and ambiguity sitting in the middle yet we've got sort of news coverage and forced to make yes no binary kind of decisions and life's not life's not always like that and i i think i've said this to you i think you can there can be multiple truths in a situation you can have you can even at various stages hold conflicting views in a way i i think we're open to it and i do like that and i do throw it open to our listeners if there are any out there to take on board what we're doing and try and have an uncomfortable chat with someone that you think you may have a you know you may not agree with their perspective obviously we're focused on the uh, middle east conflict here um but you know it's about many other topics it, it could be but you know bring if we, yeah. if we focus on the middle east topic have a chat with someone out of your comfort zone that you uh, you think you may disagree with the their opinion and you know get a different perspective yeah absolutely i mean Gender equity is a big topic at the moment, and it's definitely bringing up a lot of these tensions. Uh, the conversation around white privilege and and who's got privileges in society and who doesn't is also another one that people are are struggling to just sit and listen to understand. And and there's always multiple parties feeling attacked by the discourse in different ways because of whatever their lived experience is which actually does align with even us having this conversation mm. about what's going on in Palestine and Israel at the moment is different people feel attacked for different reasons and then there's got lived experiences of all sorts of things that, and then when you say, you know, there's multiple truth, there's, I think there's always multiple truth. And in this in this situation, we must hold all truths to be, you know, in conversation if we want to avoid going down a path where we make it linear like it's yes or no, I guess simplifying what is a multi-layered complex in different ways. There'll be people who are asking for a ceasefire who say it's not complex, it's genocide, ceasefire. You know, like that's mm. that, that's not complex. you got to stop any genocide anywhere in the world against any any human being. But then when we sort of get to not that, but you and I coming together to have a conversation, there's complexities in the layers of who we are. A a absolutely. And I think what we've lived through how we formed our views, our emotions, and, 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 <laughs> and the, the, our intellectual knowledge. The emotions are a big one because I um I don't know how you react, but I see a lot of the social media that I both avoid and am attracted to all at once because I can't live in that world without going mad and both getting angry and numbed all at once because it's horrible, um, the stuff that you're seeing, and it's hard. I'm originally history trained at university and it's hard to keep mm. that analytical sort of headspace to what am I seeing? And you don't now, you don't even know what is real anymore. And 
as well as the propaganda that goes on on social media and people i suppose it's it's really interesting because people try and put stuff out there with an expectation that people will go oh my god i've changed my opinion you're right but you're not doing that you're speaking you know you're often speaking in an echo chamber you're right the gender stuff is coming up you know I've seen a lot of stuff about the role of feminism in Australia and why it's about, you know, why are certain feminists not talking about what went on on October 7? Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, I think when there are multiple truths, sometimes you attach yourself to one truth and then you forget the others. I love, like, there was a, um, I think he was a pastor that uh, when I used to work in drug and alcohol, actually, addiction, and um definitely need that last was... word <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> he was talking about the truth you know there was someone questioned something about the truth what is the truth blah, blah blah and he said well truth is like a mirror ball and it's made up of all these little fragments and each tiny little square reflects its own unique thing because of the way the mirror ball is and then what you see is where you're standing and how you're looking at it so and if you fix, if you focus on just one little section, you're not going to see anything else that mirror ball is reflecting. But that doesn't mean that's the whole truth. That's just what you're looking at. Mm. And it's part of the truth. There is a truth in it, but it's not the full truth. And it's like, if you look at it, if you think about a mirror ball, literally, like it's, it's actually impossible to look at the whole thing mm. in one go. And so again, that's if I try to live in the world as an island. So if you and I are standing on different sides of the room and we're looking at the ball from different angles... I can say to you, this is the truth. And you can say, no, this is the truth. Or I can say to you, what do you see from where you're standing? And this is what I see from where I'm standing. And then we try to like, and then we ask somebody else who's standing somewhere else, what are you looking at? And then we piece together the whole, you know, and the question is, why do we want to do that? Well, because if we don't, we might destroy the entire room we're standing in. Well, I I love the mirror ball example, because if you think of, you know, where, where do mirror balls exist? In my mind, it's a bad sort of 80s disco. And it is about the light shining in different areas and different people all over the room having all sorts of different reaction to this central central source of light. And it's also part of what, you know, if you go to think of a disco, what drives a disco? It's the music and the light and the dark kind of thing. And uh, uh, it, it is a very powerful uh, analogy for what's going on at the moment. I was talking to some... Uh, octogenarians for a podcast yesterday and asking them about you know how in in dark situations how do you find light part of what we're doing at the moment how can we you know we're we're trying to do something positive do what the rest of the world should be doing in, in my opinion which is just talking and we have the luxury of Australia to be able to do that and I think what we're doing sort of fits into some of the great things about Australia is our ability to just have have a chat um obviously how do you find light in darkness Hala? that's my question for you that's a very spiritual question for me um and there's two things i I can i can try to answer that but i'm also just when you said about people sitting and talking in australia like i also did think of what i'm seeing on social media which is also like people can be in different countries and they like the younger generation in particular like they'll jump on a video call and record a conversation with someone anywhere and it's not, I might we'll probably come back to the light and darkness, but okay. I was just thinking about the significance of the intention in the conversation, not just having a conversation. 
like I just was watching a video the other day where the guy seemed to be in the US and he was talking to two young women who had served in the Israeli armed forces. It was clearly the intention was to show, like they were saying uh, disturbing things about wanting to kill Palestinians, but the whole intention of that was, you know, show them up and to share it. When you enter a conversation, it's actually with the intention to do what? A lot, everyone around the world could jump on and start talking like we are, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be good in terms of if the good outcome is working towards peace as a and, and reconciliation or resolution or, you know, something rather than just jumping in to have a conversation and then it, it gets worse. I don't want to go back to our lovely Bayside Council meeting, but probably the most disturbing element of it for me was afterwards when I literally had someone in my face trying to entice me to be violent and I'm really not a violent person and another person filming what was going on with the intention like there was an intention behind to sort of catch me out and you know thankfully I wasn't I think intention is important and you know you're right you know they're coming to the uh you know where we are our intention even you know if we disagree is coming I think from the right perspective so uh, I'm just curious what when you ask me what do I think about light and darkness what like can you say more about that because it's a big no it's something that's been uh what's going on in the world has repercussions for I suppose your mental health everyone's mental health and it's not hard to go to very dark places with all the images and personal connections and things going on in the world but we somehow have to lift up and go start the next day try and put yeah. you know try try and put something positive back into the world I'm not saying you have to put a smile on your face but actually get up and feel that the, you know th there's some level of hope about everything so I don't like my question is what how do you lift yourself up how do you see some light when they when you're seeing and you work in an area of darkness like you know it's not like you're uh selling holidays or something that everyone will smile <laughs> at the end of the day my sort of escape vision is just setting up like some little bamboo hut on the beach somewhere and just selling coconuts and coffee or yeah. <laughs> putting mm -hmm. smiles on people's faces. But yeah, that, yeah, that's uh, when, when this conflict started, uh, it, when, when it like didn't start on the 7th of October, it escalated <laughs> into what we're seeing now. It was definitely very difficult for a couple. Of, and the week, the weekend after that was, um, so my birthday was around that time. And then the week, it was weird, like to sort of, I, it just felt really weird. Yeah, and, and, and what felt weird was people were messaging me. A lot of people who were close to me were messaging me saying like, how are you? Like kind of condolences oh. and happy birthday. And it was just kind of really bizarre. The weekend after that was the referendum outcome in Australia. And so yes, right. between those two, and then the week after that was just like, so it was escalating over two weeks of me feeling like, you know, only three years ago, I launched the Institute of Nonviolence and I was actually feeling like I want to close it down. Like, what's the point of mm. even talking about nonviolence in this world? It's clearly, clearly a violent world because I, my belief and sort of what my, one of my drivers for the work I do and, and setting up the Institute is I, I do believe we are inherently nonviolent and we're mm. off track. We're a bit lost and confused. But I think in our, in, you know, people say it's human nature and when they talk about things that are competitive behaviours and things like that, and I don't, I don't agree and I don't think it's the nature of existence. I think at the root core of all of existence is collaboration and, mm. and nonviolent, like in a, 
as 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 much as you can unpack nonviolence. Like I don't, it's not some little thing. It's a big thing. Mm. Anyway, so I I lost I lost sight of that. You know, I thought maybe I'm wrong. What's the point mm. of anything? And so many people were feeling that way. And then I went away. You know, I just sort of thought, well, I won't close the business, but I will take four days off yes. and go and sit in nature and and hug a tree and meditate. Mm. And that was amazing for me, you know, and it was interesting that you asked me about light and darkness because from a mental health perspective, I was definitely like in the way you just explained it to me was was struggling to shine a light on anything, but also spiritually as well. And what happened in my meditations is I saw the light again. I saw that we are light beings. You know, I do think I do feel that way about existence. And I was reminded that even a flickering candle like like shines a light on on a dark room like mm. it's no longer a pitch black room even if there's just a flickering candle in it let alone a big sort of light so i got reminded of that and that's what lifted me up and i actually just feel quite strengthened by that since it's been two months now i know that had i not had those kinds of experiences and reminders that I would probably be really struggling, you know, to to watch this conflict for two months as I see other people are, as I see, you know, by people's comments on social media, just feeling really deflated. When I came back from that meditation, I put on three free sessions that I just advertised everywhere. Mm. Uh, if you want to debrief what's going on, just come along. Um, they were an hour and a half each. And people were, were you know, we, we shared poetry together and music and stories and how we're feeling and what's going on and what 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 is important for us you know why we do the things we do and and uh and that was uplifting and a lot of people gave pretty good feedback after that and I think a lot of people you know just personally we were all reaching out to each other Mm. and the you know the response I got is people were feeling uplifted after talking to me and that's only because I took that time away to go and lift myself up and you know there was a there's always a part of us when we feel that way that goes, oh, well, let's see how long that lasts. Mm. But it was so deep and profound that I don't, I'm, I don't even have that concern. I don't even feel concerned about losing it because it's very clear to me that while some people can't see the light and therefore create darkness and destruction around them, they exist within light, mm. and and they just have to turn around and look at it. But the entire thing is not dark <laughs> if that makes sense no no I, you... I i i get that and i um it's you touched on some really interesting things so firstly i'm a i'm a uh a sharer of the love of nature i'm not i've tried meditation i'm not great at it but i i, I but i do like just sitting and being in nature and my go-to is always the ocean which we're blessed with in sydney to have lots of cool swimming places and I swim in winter as well, so I'm not limited by the weather. And I've done similar things because the mental health, the the brain and the mind is a must. Now, you know, like every other one, you've got to keep doing positive things and exercise it to keep it in the right direction. And, I mean, I've vacillated between the, is this the nature of humanity with what what's going on, or is it just, you know, an aberration and I can... I don't know about aberration, but I can do. I can. I can see evidence for both. I do. I do at the core believe that most people are good, and I always view it like my like when I'm uh, teaching kids in a classroom, and I still do a bit of that. When you're teaching thirty kids, there's a fine line of 
will the will the class be chaos and will it not? And it's usually like you know five or six rabble rousers. If that five or six turn into eight, and you've lost control of the class, and I kind of feel like the world's a bit like that. We've got to sort of have a, a lot more people having these discussions. And I agree with you about the ripple effect. Having more people have chats to hear perspectives and to attempt to show empathy anyway um, to lift us up. And the the other thing that you said that. Um, was interesting have you had a whole lot of people contact you from nowhere asking are you okay the people that you hadn't thought about from different parts of your lives I guess being and being from you know sort of the Arabic speaking community we've all done that for each other it's Mm. not like it's not like when the Beirut explosion happened in August 2020 Mm -hmm. yes because that was specific to Beirut and whether people knew it or not, it's the part of Beirut I grew up in. So wow. some people knew that, some people didn't, but they were definitely, I was definitely, that was about Lebanese people. And But now everybody's impacted. So so my experience has been more, I'm also contacting a lot of people and saying, mm. are you, you know, how are you doing? Like what, what are, it's, or, or not, or it's been more like heaps more social media groups that either already existed or have been created for people to come together and mm. provide support and talk about what they're doing and, you know, like like arts, artistic movements and, you know, healthcare workers. And so, yeah, and there's also lots of spaces that are dead silent and no one's talking about it. Mm. So which work for how big it is, I find it really interesting now to notice who's ignoring the whole thing. And who, like, who hasn't said, are you okay? (laughs) Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. I've had some, I've said this to you before, I reckon we could cut and paste a lot of our experiences and people and they would be very similar. Um, You know, you just change the odd word here and there. But it is interesting the people that have come out of, for me, have come from no contact to uh, checking on Am I okay? How's my family doing? We keep hearing about the rise of anti-Semitism in Sydney, for example. Are you okay? So I'm getting that one. And also people that I would expect would say, just checking in on you are not. And I'm also obviously also checking in on people. You know, I suppose that what happens when you have such an outrageous piece of conflict going on. For me, you know, the, the scale of it now is outrageous for the entire human race. You know, I, I, I do really question anyone who's quiet. I don't. We all avoid something at some point. It's protective, sure. you know, it's it's self-protection, mostly subconscious behaviours. So I kind of get it, but, you know, and I also just, I think it's good to for us to acknowledge the scale of it isn't just like there's a flood somewhere and it's really bad and people are calling to see if those people are okay. This is, this is something that can happen anywhere in the world. It, it is happening in one place and that place is... Um, so in I don't know it's just so significant to everybody I mean because it's the holy land for everyone like it's everybody's holy land so it's sort of like this this piece of earth that's just so like everybody knows about you know like there's a genocide happening in the Congo right now there's a conflict that's erupted in Sudan right now and no one's talking about it mm. millions of people like I think Close to 10 million people in the Congo have died in the last few years, and it's not news. So, and, it, and this is this, this is often now. I, I mean, if we bring it back to the conflict, and as I said to you, I'm across a range of sort of Jewish Facebook and WhatsApp groups from very left to 
quite right and I have reactions to different ones. And one of the arguments always brought up is which which is about the anti-Semitism, which is why is no one bringing up all these other issues? And I, that, I, I get what they're saying. It's never resonated with me, though, because, you know, that's that's not an argument to not bring up an issue that's going on at the moment. It's not. Uh, you know, I'm just saying the scale of what's going on right now is impacting everyone in the world. Yeah. Like we can see the whole world protesting, right? Like the whole world is alive in in this moment about this conflict. And I don't, I, th- I think a lot of things about that. The scale of murder in the Congo is huge. Like, mil- we're talking millions now over years. Um, and it's not the same level of coverage and news and everything. And some things are similar. Like, it it is largely because we live in a racist world. Like, we can't sort of exclude that. Black lives don't matter as much as other lives. It, and the destruction of Africa is so normalized. It's so, it's so desensationalized. Mm. Like it's that 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 we don't bat an eyelid when Africans die because we just that's what they do, and we go they die. No, but they're being murdered, right? I don't know like the full details of the conflict, and obviously like there'll be African militia groups involved. So I think that's one thing that's harder for other people to connect with and see it as as external forces unless you're a de unless you're in the world of demarginalizing and decolonizing then you would look at how colonizations impacted mm. africa that even when it's the internal militias killing each other it's actually within a colonial context plus who's funding them and where the resources are going like the where where countries are resource rich there's more conflict and guess who's taking the resources but that's a lot harder for everyone. That's a harder conversation to have with the world who hasn't read imperialism, uh, critical race theory, intersectionality mm. theory, or or anything else like that's related. Uh, um, any any history of colonization or anything like that. Whereas when you look at Israel and Palestine, it's a story. It's a story anyone can, a lot of people can can connect with. There's also black, brown, and white people impacted there. Three religions that are probably the most dominant religions in in the modern world ha, you know feel so directly connected to that land and and people around the world no matter where they grow up have heard the story you know a religious story that somehow connects to that land so it's personal it's not like i don't know any stories of congo i never grew up with stories of the congo like no. i care about the congo but i but it's not the same no yeah, and and, and, and when the, i say the... that i'm just being honest about what's in me i'm not I'm not wanting to um underplay. I, I'm not I'm not saying they're less valuable. I'm just I'm just talking about the honesty of of my own response and and what I think is the world's response. Is I've th- got to have a personal connection to move a little further in caring and no, not and, I, I, and and doing something about wanting, you know, wanting something else to happen. And uh, in saying that, I would like the Congo genocide to stop. <laughs> like, just, okay. You know, I don't, I don't want to genocide anywhere in the world. Like, I would like the human race to move beyond that. But mm. so, yeah, I just wanted to clarify those things because I think I'm saying mm. lots of different things in one go and it's not necessarily clear, particularly when people, anyone listening to this may not fully understand that I come from a critical race theory, imperialist theory, and I do a lot of work in anti-racism and decolonization. So I look at the world from a systemic perspective, but I'm also a trained psychologist and therapist and social worker. And so I also look at the world 
from a human behavioural lens and social systems lens and how we respond. And that's very hard to relay all that in one sentence. <laughs> no, you, you, look, you, got, you gave it a red hot go and I think I got it. Um, I, you know, I pray for a time of peace that you can actually go to somewhere like Jerusalem because I think you will be blown away by this. Like literally it's like a not even a couple of hundred metre square section where, you know, you've got the Church of the Sepulchre, you've got the Dome of the Rock and you've got the Western Wall all so close to each other. It's just, in, it's insane. If you are a spiritual person, you believe that there is a higher being, it's going to happen there. You know, that's, it, it, it's, uh, it, 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 it's a mad, crazy area. I'm interested in so much about what you said and I'm interested that we have not spoken today at all you know about specifics about what's going on because I, I don't know about you I'm kind of I'm weary I'm actually weary about the specifics of what's going on I do want it to end and I want but I don't know how it's going to end and I'm worried that things are going to get worse before they get better what what are you wary about I'm wary about I'm not hearing anyone on either side talking about how 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 can we begin to heal? How can we work a way of the, the, nothing's changed? There's still two peoples in one land, and they've got to somehow work a way of living together because this will keep going, and it is it is going to keep going. And there's you're right, uber politics over the top of everything. Um, but there's I'm I'm just seeing there's so many people affected on the ground on both sides. So and so, I, how are you going? Like you asked me about the light and yeah. darkness, and how. So, how are you? Because if you're feeling, um, I guess that's one snippet of how you're feeling. But how are you keeping yourself going? I've gone through stages of actually doing what you can do in Australia, which is avoid the news, which I think a lot of people are doing. I think it's in the news scammer, it's dropped a level. It's not the first story all the time anymore because it's Christmas and um, whatever. But how am I feeling? Um, I'm still feeling very. Uh, disheartened and sad and worried about the amount of trauma across the world that's going on obviously i've got personal connections to the jewish and israeli side and i'm seeing such an uplift in hate and anti-semitism which is affecting a whole lot of people around me either directly or indirectly i'm just sad it's just it's just a horrible situation i've uh, i'm sick of people trying to convince me of stuff from both directions, actually. I'm like, I, yeah. and and that's, you know, I'm very critical of all forms of propaganda and um, mm. I'm sick of seeing emails saying, you've got to see this, this is the truth. And I've seen it from both the, uh, you know, the Arab perspective and the Israeli perspective. I feel like this whole concept, social media is both amazing and so damaging all at once. Like it's mm. convenient, it's, um, it's great to share photos of babies and dogs, which is my favourite part, but it also <laughs> it also does do a lot of damage. I see bullying going on, which is, you know, all, everywhere. So I don't know. I'm, I, I vacillate. I think I do the, uh, what you said before, I definitely go through the uh, ignore or escape or avoid kind of take on, on on things and it is in the contrast to it's like this happy season in Australia where not everyone's working and you're going to beaches and having celebrations 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I want to touch on something you said um, that that I think is important to point out at this point in time. I don't know if it's going to change, so it'll be funny if it does change after saying it. But we've been talking now for, um, I mean, we met, you know, what, a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. We started chatting around then because you got in touch and said you wanted to have more conversations and through this, through a podcast. And I said, yes. And then we talked about that and we've had, this is our second recording and not once have you or I sent each other anything to say, this is, look what's going on in the conflict. Like you got to see this. And I'm sure it's crossed your mind or it's crossed my mm -hmm. mind. And I actually think it would, I'm really curious to know why you haven't sent me anything and whether it did mm -hmm. cross your mind. Because I think this is also an important part of this conversation. I purposely not tried to send you uh, things to try and convince you of anything, if you know what I mean. No, I think that's the difference is um, you've sent me things that are aligned with conversations we've had, like like even uh, Palestinians and Jews coming together in, you know, to sort of pray or to... Yeah. Uh, to you know, to have conversations and things because we're talking about us coming together, and then there's been examples of that. And I think even like the New York Times article that you sent me was very aligned with that. Um, but it's different to the way people are sending each other stuff to say like that's the truth. Like here you go. Like you can't deny, you know. And I think I think yeah, within the echo chamber, fine. But there's there's difference when you start doing it yeah i think it would be very different to our relationship if we started doing that and and i think it's interesting we haven't so i wanted to sort of unpack that with you well i, I think i mean part of it i think is being respectful um but i also think i mean maybe later down the track we do do it from the point of view just to see each other's reactions to stuff not in yeah. a not in a so th that's different. It's not like saying, "Hala, here's the truth of, you know, blah blah blah." Um, it's more like, "I receive this. I've got a take on it. What's your take on it?" That's interest. That that that's interesting to me because I think I'll learn something from it. Yeah. So again, that's you know, you know, right at the start, I was saying how. Yeah, everyone in the world can start having a conversation, but the intention actually is the significant factor. And so for me, even just hearing you say that there's an element of respect, there's also an element of like, well, probably I'll walk away from you and then we won't get to mm. do this. Like there's an element of not wanting to um, like... Offend. Offend, but destroy, like destroy the possibility of a conversation and mm. and that's my point is it would and and so when you communicate because any if you send somebody something or you tag them online or or you share an article or you make a phone call or a text like any form of communication like however you do it it is a form of communication so when you go mm. to communicate something with someone you've got to have a thought about and we do in milliseconds our brain already preempts what that mm. person's reaction will be before we even send them something right that's why in professional spaces, 
like at work where you know it's you got to write a complex email to your boss or your to staff member or whatever you write it and you read it and you draft it and you get someone else to look at it you don't just go blah and if you do it probably mm. doesn't end well like so 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 that's my point is we can get lazy and just throw stuff at each other and go well if if i send this video to rob and he doesn't see my perspective he's an idiot Yeah. right and it's his problem and he's probably uh arab hating and he's violent and he thinks babies should be murdered and you could do the same with me you could send me like something zionist and go well she's just anti-semitic if she doesn't like it she's anti-semitic mm. she's a jew hater she thinks we should all die and really if i don't respond or you don't respond it's the way we communicated not you know so we attach this meaning about the other person but what we don't do is reflect about how we are with them and 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 that the fact that I, I communicated in a way that didn't give you much room to move towards me i communicated in a way that made you want to walk away not because you're maybe you are arab hating maybe you're not but i will never know because i didn't invite you into a conversation with me i bombarded you with stuff yeah yeah uh, just for the record i'm not um No, uh, uh, no, 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 that's the point of this conversation is you're not like, oh, right, you're not Arab. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Yeah, Arab we're, we're, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> no, look, it, it is interesting. And I, I mean, I think at some stage it may be interesting to chat about, you know, in the world that you live, it's often, a, I'll make an assumption, but, you know, when you're, when you're counseling people or when you're running programs, boundaries is a word that comes up often, setting clear, you know, boundaries, and you have that, we do that unconsciously all the time in life. We, and we, we, we do, we've got, we, me and you have already got this unwritten boundary. I think in, uh, in, in one of our earlier non-recorded chats, I brought up the concept of we're not, we're not friends from a social, you know, we're not the same social group, we don't hang out together. And in a way that gives us a bit more freedom to be open and honest with each other because we, we're not worried about the repercussions of a friendship getting broken down, which, you know, often has, you know, friendship groups and other implications if something gets ugly with with a friend. Doesn't mean that I'm going to start sending you anti-Arab stuff. It just means it gives you a bit more freedom to think about, you know, being true to yourself, I suppose. Look, that's very true and real. And we mentioned some topics at the start of this conversation that are um contentious in 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 modern times like gender equity or anti-racism or all those things and because i've been doing this work for so long i have lost friends like i have lost friends because i've spoken about gender equity and they didn't like it or particularly that topic you know i've i've, I've had male friends walk away from me or i've had white friends walk away from me because because I spoke about racism, you know, so around the George Floyd time. And I had friends mm. walk away from me when September 11 happened and I didn't trust that it was just a legit thing. <laughs> you know? so, so friends do walk away from you and family members do fight with each other over, like, differing political views. So what you, when you say to me, well, at least we didn't start off as friends and we don't worry about that, in a way, yes, we can have these conversations. And at the same time... I'll push my friendships. I'm just validating what you're saying, that sometimes mm. within friendship groups, people just go, let's just not talk about it because they don't. And there are friendships that I don't want to lose. I guess the ones that, that I lost, and particularly to gender equity or racism, I, I was okay to lose, to be honest. Like I was, I didn't have to lose them. 
but I I also probably questioned how much you know these particular men were able to respect women, for example, and I and I would have a problem with some of their behaviors that I was seeing, mm. and so I'm not going to be quiet about that for the sake of the friendship because there is no friendship that I can give in any genuine or authentic manner if the person as a woman if the person is a male that's disrespecting women and won't even hear me out won't even hear you know and I have a lot of my I'm one of those people I've got lots of friends from everywhere like every every uh, like I, I don't like there'll be a friend that I have that's got some kind of lived experience and yeah so so it's not that I you know it's like oh well like I know for a fact men will come into that conversation and 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 show up and care and show empathy and learn mm. and grow and also give me their perspectives. Like it's not just, oh yeah, like oh I don't want to come across as as a as a you know woman hater, so I'll just agree with everything Alice said. No, I've had lots of men disagree and we have really great conversations about what it's like for them and what I'm saying. And that's what that's all we're asking is though that we do that. So anyone who wants to walk away, I kind of go, well, I probably was gonna not be your friend eventually anyway, because you're disrespecting harmfully you know so like I, I i want to i want to give you a, a quick interesting professional anecdote of mine that i i've in my radio producing work i've worked at a range of radio stations from left-wing radio stations to right-wing commercial radio stations and in many ways i've never been at home at either, at either of those extremes but what it did make me do is instead of going in with at the places that I don't necessarily agree with a lot of the callers and the announcers viewpoints is trying to work out why they got to where they were. So it's easy to just rule them out as like right wing sexists and you know that that kind of stuff. But actually when you speak to them, how they got to their perspective um, is often more interesting and it's not always what it seems and part of you know you don't always get the true perspective i do think that most people sit very much in between you know a central um and a lot, a lot of you're driven off and like especially with with regards to sort of I've, I've i've spoken to people on the phone with you know regards to you know men you know the court systems against men and you know the world's getting and when you talk to them it's often They've they've had a specific experience in a court system, for example. Yeah. But they don't they they then get come to this conclusion that's gender based as opposed to a whole lot of other things based. That's right. Yeah. And 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 that that's where I get to. And I mean, I'm, I've come. It's it's funny when I when I'm producing late night radio, I get sort of the extremes of society. And I had this one guy that would just call every week and say racist, sexist, horrible things. And I said, I'm not letting you go on air. And he'd keep calling. He'd keep trying to he'd try, trying to rouse me up weeks on, weeks out. And I said, I'm not letting you to air until you sort of calm down a bit and give an educated perspective or a, you know, a reasoned perspective. And eventually it was Anzac Day and it turned out he was a veteran. And he said, I just want to go on air and say, I hope the veterans are okay over Anzac Day, it's a triggering period. And I said, fine, as long as that's all you said, and you know, my job's on the line if he swears or gets racist or something like that. Yeah. And he did, he did the right thing. And guess what? 
he called when he knew when I was on air. He, when I was producing, he'd call every week to talk to me and not go on air. So well, I'd, he needed I'd a like, therapist. That's what. <laughs> so it, it, it was very. Um, it, I just think that it takes work, but there's something inside everyone. And I'm, I don't know. Maybe maybe I've taken optimism drugs this morning. That I think there is, um, you know something in everyone and I know it's easy for us to say look we're talking kind of thing but um maybe it does, I do believe it starts it starts with a chat look it, it does and it, you know and it comes every minute of the day and 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 in every interaction with the world with yourself and with other you know with other people there there is an impact and there's there's a space to think about What's the narrative I'm telling myself? What's the narrative I'm putting out into the world? And what are my intentions? Like, what am I hoping to get out of this? And, you know, like we we sort of go through life without really thinking about that. But when, when she hits the fan, so for example, what I said about what I said before, you know, in terms of it's a struggle. Like if I think someone's actually literally abusing their their partner and kids and, and they're not, want, you know, they're not open to talking to me that I might not, um, you know, I might struggle over time to maintain yeah. that friendship. So in a similar manner, like over over different periods of my life, you know, sort of I guess someone who I've I've said the same about pro you know, pro-Israeli Zionists that, you know, it's a it's a it's a red zone in my world. And it's not necessarily a conversation that I can always be open to because of my perspective of it being in the legal occupation and you know all of those things and the fact that I've personally been impacted my family's impacted my country of birth is impacted and I you know and the Palestinians are impacted so then then something happens you know and 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 equally I have had lots of these conversations I've said that to you a few times because back to what I was just saying I have to ask well what's my intention what's my objective what am I trying to get out of something and my objective is peace and justice. And even if I said Israel's a bit of a red zone for me, it doesn't mean I don't care about Jewish lives. I've always cared about Jewish life. Like I've never, ever thought Jews need to die, should die or could die or mm. I want them to. I do not want Jewish people to die. I don't want anyone to live in occupation. I don't want anyone to live with a genocide or a fear of a genocide. And I genuinely think we can achieve that as a bare minimum. You know, I don't think we're going to have kumbaya societies, but but in the least we can just not go there for anybody. You know, like you're going to fight over resources, figure out how you're going to do it, leave the rest of us alone. <laughs> That's probably a bit too utopian. But um, no, so so I, I, like, I, mean, I guess, yeah, like what drives us, I think, to... That's what's interesting for me in this conversation is what drives us to cross over a discomfort, to cross over what might sometimes have felt like a red line. But I'm like, actually, I'm going to cross that red line because what is beyond it is more important to me. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, again, again I'm, uh, as usual, um, I have a deadline now, so I'm going to get to the end. But I, I suppose I want to end with an appreciation of where we're heading with this. I do appreciate your openness um, of talking to me as a Jewish Zionist. <laughs> um, just we've got we're we're just starting. Hello. Yeah. Gonna, like, we we need we probably need to go to some dark spaces at some stage soon and see how we react. But um, 
you know, I I, I am seeing the similarities at underpinning it. It reminds me of, yeah, I mean, we need we'll have a coffee next time. Maybe that will be our we'll have a uh, an in person chat with a microphone around a shared love of caffeine. Look, um, you know, and I think it's important, absolutely, uh, whether with a microphone or not, I think it's important to keep reiterating that we are having communication outside of the recorded sessions and a, a part of, you know, you can't record everything in life, but it is about building. You've got to build enough space and safety and and relationship with another person before you go into the more difficult areas. That's actually part of protecting each other and ourselves in the conversation so again that's really important for for anyone to think about entering into these conversations and and wanting to have a go is don't just jump in and then go well what do you think of this video like what yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. bam like find out who find out who the other person is first yeah. find a connecting point where you both actually can get along like you know yeah like love for beaches love for coffee love for sunshine like these are things we connected on you know, direct and indirect histories of migration. And uh, I think we've talked a lot about Sydney and even like we've had lots of conversations where I could say, actually, as a person in the world, I can really get along with you. And then there's this thing going on that's political where we will have conflicting views, but we're willing to come together and have that conversation. But we're not going to just, what do you think? We hope you enjoyed episode two of Homeless and Deal. Stay tuned as we plan to release our next chat in a week. Just a reminder, we have a service called Buy Me A Coffee. For the cost of a coffee, you can help us make a few more podcasts. Special thanks to everyone that's already bought us coffees. Our caffeine levels are very high. The Hummus and Deal podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We're enjoying getting feedback. It's important for us and it will help us build our fourth episode. And we're genuinely interested what you guys think about what's going on. It's been fascinating so far. Send us an email Humusandil at gmail.com. That's H-U-M-M-U-S-N-D-I-L-L at gmail.com.